0: In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times.
1: in fear of being followed home. Welcome to the life of a grassroots referee. Hello, and welcome to your latest episode of It's All Kicking Off. Chris is with me in the studio and is ready to go, but this will be a slightly different show today. It will have a slightly different mood to it. We're going to talk about plenty of football, about England and about Everton. We have a Manchester City versus Liverpool game to look forward to, but also we're going to get into a subject that Chris and I both feel is very important indeed the abuse of referees and how the behaviour of our star managers and players is filtering down the pyramid of our game. Later in the show, we will hear from two young referees who have quit the game on the back of the most startling and horrific verbal and physical abuse. On the back of all that, we will ask, what will it take to make this stop? So please stick around for that. I promise you it will be worth it. But first, to the football. And Chris, let's talk about Everton 10-point deduction for breaking Premier League profit and sustainability rules. They are now joint bottom of the Premier League table with Burnley. Do we feel sorry for them or not?
2: Um, I think there are plenty of people out there who, uh, don't feel sorry for Everton because they've, you know, have essentially broken the rules. But there are a lot of people who have, uh, you know, sympathy for, uh, for Everton because, you know, it's not, it's not the fans who have broken the rules. It's not the, it's not the players who have, uh, broken the rules. It's, you know, the, the hierarchy where, uh, where the club has been mismanaged.
1: The fans are really, really angry. They're angry at the Premier League. Um, There's a crowdfunding um, page already been started to try and raise money to uh, pay for banners and placards and and flags. um, um, Ahead of this weekend's game at uh, home to Manchester United, they're going to use those banners to um, show the Premier League exactly what they think. I'd imagine the Premier League anthem will be booed on, on Sunday. But shouldn't they be angry at their own club it's their own club that have broken the rules the premier league from what i can see and i've read the report i've read the commission's report the premier league have um essentially um stuck by the the rules the, what what we call financial fair play rules they've stuck by them and they've, pu- and they've punished Everton. So why are yeah. they so angry uh, at the Premier
2: League? Well, I, I think there's, you know, there, there's anger at the Everton ownership. There's been anger from the uh, supporters towards uh, the Everton ownership for, for a long time now, for, uh, for a number of reasons. But I think uh, with regards to the Premier League, uh, they feel that uh, they are a club which has been singled out. And that, I understand why they feel that, but that that actually isn't the case because there no. are ongoing processes with um, with Manchester City and uh, you know and Chelsea. So just to underline
1: exactly what what happened w- w- with Everton, just so that people who are, are aware that um, you are allowed, clubs are allowed to report a kind of a, a loss of 105 million pounds over a three-year accounting period, and Everton found themselves 19. Pounds the 19 million pounds <laughs> the wrong side of that line. Now I think there is an argument to suggest that a 10 point deduction for a 19 million pounds transgression over three years. So essentially talking about you know the value of say Erling Haaland's left big toe or something. That does seem quite a harsh penalty. I get that.
2: What, what, what would be what would be a, a, so, a, a fair penalty? How, how do we judge that? That's something which I, I don't quite understand. It is, it
1: is hard to judge because there's no, there is no precedent for it. Um, uh, Portsmouth went into administration, I think, in two thousand and ten, and were fine, and were deducted nine points. But that's Kind of pre-FFPE or it's slightly slightly different, but that's the only precedent you've got in the, in the in the top flight. So there is no precedent. So it is hard to judge. People are talking about Manchester City and Chelsea, but they haven't. Those cases haven't been resolved yet. Mm-hmm. So how can we make that uh, comparison? I personally think, and I wrote in a, a piece that I wrote um, for Mail Sport uh, on, on over the weekend that, given that the Premier League decided that Everton had got themselves into a pickle by overspending on players. That was not Everton's argument, but that was what the Premier League and the the, the commission decided, that they'd got themselves into a mess by overspending on players. So from that point of view, given that it's a kind of a sporting infringement... um, I think that the, that the sanction should be sporting and therefore the, the sanction should not be a fine and it should not be a transfer embargo. It should be something that affects them on the field and therefore points deduction is the only way. I can see the argument that maybe three points or five points or six points would have been appropriate. Ten does seem to be a lot. It has taken them to, to joint bottom of the table. That does seem to be a lot mm-hmm. for what seems to be quite quite a small transgression.
2: Um, yeah, so I mean, so what everybody will be will be uh, looking at if there are if there are punishments uh, dished out, uh, other clubs, Everton supporters, no doubt will be you know keeping a really close eye on it to see whether you know that the Premier League are being consistently fair across the board, and, and, and if that's the case, uh, moving forward, then that's hard to argue with the 10 point deduction. Yeah, isn't There's a couple of, it?
1: before we we do tackle the city issue. Uh, Peter Reid wrote in the mail on Sunday yesterday suggested that this punishment had been shoddily handled. Um Dominic King went to Goodison yesterday and spoke to supporters and there was quotes from a supporters group saying, "We understand the need for rules and standards to be upheld, but in other words, everyone seems to be saying, mm-hmm. yes, we understand that we should be punished." But we don't really want to want to be. So I'm not. My sympathy from that point of view is quite limited, I must say, Um, and indeed will be if in if if in a year or two years time, whenever it comes to resolution, Manchester City find themselves going the right way. I mean, what does this mean for City? They've got 115 outstanding charges against them. They've denied them, by the way. 115 charges against them. What happens to them?
2: And, uh, well, and, until we sort of, um, you know, get to the end of, of, the, of the investigation and find out what those, you know, char- well, not find out what the charges were for, but City are, you know, going to... Uh defend those charges so it is it is a wait and see on the face of things I think that's what Everton supporters have looked at you know well you know we've had we've had this charge Manchester City have got 115 well you know they must be bang in trouble the same with you know with Chelsea uh, by all accounts so that's where the anger and the ire comes from the uh, the Everton support and I can understand that but let's just wait and see what what happens to Manchester City?
1: What will the players be thinking? Sean Dice, I believe, is due to hold a players meeting later in the week. The sporting director Kevin Thorough will also be at that meeting. What will if you were in that Everton dressing mm. room, what would you be thinking right I actually,
2: now? I actually think it will it will galvanise the the whole club. You know, the world's against Everton Football Club at this moment in time. We have been wronged, albeit, you know, they actually haven't been wronged. They've admitted that, you know, they broke the rules but from a, a player's perspective, uh, a management perspective. It's, you know, about, you know, we've, we've had a 10-point deduction. We need to stay up and uh, uh, and show everybody else that we are a club which, which are together. So, you know, I actually think it may... May well work in their favour. Actually, on the pitch, uh, in recent times, Everton um, they've been pretty decent. You know, Sean Dyche's uh, you know has, has done a good job. I know you were you were sort of fearful of them uh, being in a relegation scrap. Actually, you know the way they've played. Uh, recently looked like they could make a push for the top half of the table. That's, that's not going to happen now, but um, I actually think from from within the dressing room, it gives them a cause. It gives mm. them something to really fight for. So um, it, it, it is a 10-point deduction, a good thing, of course it's not. But, you know, it, it gives them something to to really fight and, uh, and uh, you, you know, get the supporters on side. It's Manchester United next to them, isn't it? I mean, just imagine. Goodison, yeah. I, you know, I've I've been to games at Goodison. Um, when did I go? About eight, over a year, over a season ago, they were playing Arsenal, and Arsenal were flying, Everton and Everton won for a number of games. Oh, yeah, I was I, I, game. I, were you at that one? Yeah, I've, I didn't meet you there then. Uh, but uh, the atmosphere that night was one of the best atmospheres. I, you know, I've been in in a, in a oh, British it, stadium. It, it,
1: it can. I mean, everybody knows why Everton are moving to their new stadium at, at Bramley Moor Dock and outdated in terms of its facilities for corporate um clients and and it doesn't doesn't allow everton to make the, t- the type of money that a Premier League club needs to make on a match day however as a football stadium and as a place to go press box is awful tiny mm-hmm. even I can't fit in it but um in, t- in terms of a place to go and watch your football it's it's terrific it's absolutely magnificent mm-hmm. and and it will be it will be hostile um on Sunday I think if I was in that dressing room though, I might feel a little bit, I feel a bit pissed off with, with the ownership because they've just taken the, the, revival that you refer to. They've taken 10 points from the last five Premier League games. They've now come back from international break to find they've got to give them all back. They've got to give them all back and mm. nothing to do with them. They've done their bit. They've done their bit in training on the pitch. Wouldn't they feel a bit let down Think Well, thanks very much guys you know it's not our fault that we that we're um, back in the relegation zone it's yours i i
2: yeah i i understand uh i understand that but i i think it's one of those as a player it's we are where we are you know there's 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 no point sort of looking at the past it's a position which they now find themselves in and 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 use it use it to make them stronger and that's what that's what i believe they'll
1: do Buried within all of this ret- rhetoric or the, at the front of some of this rhetoric over last weekend has been, they've made an exa- the Premier League have made an example of Everton because they're an in inverted commas smaller club. I don't buy it actually, no. but there is that school of thought. But it, wrapped up in all of that is this feeling that the Premier League may not wish to take on Manchester City, their own champions. I mean, in, the, in their own way, let's face it, it won't serve the Premier League's purpose as a, as a brand, as a spectacle, as a money-making entity, to relegate its own champions, they don't want to. Re- oh. they, won't, they won't want to relegate a team that's got Kevin De Bruyne in it and Erling Haaland in it. And and Jack Grealish, and but, that, Phil but, but, Foden, but
2: but they can't they can't think like that. Well, that, that, that 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 cannot happen. No. I, I I can't believe you're sort of suggesting well, people that, are that su- is. Well, people are suggesting. I say people, social
1: media, all the commentators in print and on on the radio and television have been suggesting that Everton have had the rug pulled out of the, from within the feet because they're Everton, and that the Premier League won't,
2: if it comes to it, won't have the guts to do it. So, so you're people saying you're, you're saying they're going to treat Everton. Uh, differently to Manchester it's, City, it's, then. it's, it's, it's mm. some people are saying that.
1: I, it I would be I, surely they can't because but, well, this, exactly because this I, is I, the, yeah. this is the line in the sand now, surely isn't it? Well, this uh, is the uh, precedent,
2: absolutely, and that. But that's where Everton, you, you know, it will you know, Everton supporters and everybody at Everton will be keeping an eye on, you know, these 115 charges uh, which Manchester City are facing and, and seeing how that pans out. But I do not, I do not believe that. Uh, that you know what you're saying um, is is possible. The Everton cannot be treated differently. What, what sort of, sort of president you know would would that set moving forward? And the Premier League, you know, they they would never recover from that if they treated in terms of their image integrity. Really, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they, they wouldn't recover if they if they treat somebody different to somebody else to somebody else, which you know you're suggesting is a possibility. I mean that that isn't going to happen. <laughs> So now
1: let's move into our what I'm calling our kind of big subject of the day because we said at the start, this is going to be a slightly different um, show and, and I think it, it will be. So um, let's ask a rhetorical question. Can can football survive without match officials? I would say no, it can't. What, so why do we allow them to be treated so badly? Dissent, found the language, call it what you will. It, it's a curse. on It's a curse on our game. And we witness it every Sunday, live and on television in the Premier League from managers and players and in the leagues further down. So today we are going to hear firsthand how this behaviour of our players and managers at the top of our sport is being replicated all the way down the pyramid into Sunday League football, kids football and beyond, often with devastating consequences. First of all, let's hear from Reese Baldwin, a 25-year-old referee who started officiating when he was 14 but gave up in April of this year.
3: I ended up having to go to a hearing. I was accused of racist, racism during the game um, because I sent off the manager of the team, who was um, who was black, and he accused me of sending him off purely because of the colour of his skin and not because he, of what you called me during the during the match.
1: And, and why did why did you send
3: him off? What did he call you? If you are able to say. He called me a cheating, and then there was a, another word after that, but I, I won't say that word. Not here. Honestly, the amount of abuse is insane. I mean, I I've, I've had I have so many stories of abuse, but just these are the the the, the I've had knives pulled on me. I had people try and get me fired from my job. I've been I had my car keyed. Um, I've been stopped on the street and screamed at for a good 15 minutes in front of all my friends. Um, and that was when I was 16, I had that happen. So, I mean, it's, you know, you you get to a point where after a game, so the one decision that made me quit was a semi-final. Um, a boy handballed on the line to stop his team losing the game, which I think anybody in their right mind would do to try and win your team the game. Unfortunately, that meant it was a red card and the team scored the subsequent penalty in 1-2-1. One, um, his dad came onto the field after the full-time whistle threatening to beat me up told me he was going to kill me um, and said if, if there wasn't enough witnesses around I'd already be dead so um, when he said that to me I thought, right, okay you said that in front of the vice chairman of the league you said that in front of me and you said that in front of the coach of the opposition and I thought I think this is time for me to hang my whistle up what age, what age group um, of, of game was, was that, that one you just
1: talked about? Under 12s. Right, so you're being threatened, essentially, you're being threatened with with the most extreme forms of violence for making what seemed to be a clear decision against a 12-year-old boy.
3: I'm not risking my refereeing career at the time to save a 12-year-old boy from crying. What
1: was this type type of behaviour immediately apparent to you back in the day or has it has it got significantly worse over time
3: I mean it's always been there like there's always been you know the back chatty player the player who does a bad tackle every game the gobby boy or gobby girl sometimes but the the behavior has gotten worse I mean I stopped doing senior football in 2019 that's when I stopped doing adults um and then I stopped doing kids obviously this year um So I went away for Christmas in 2021, and when I left for Christmas, I'd given one red card from August to December. Came back in the January, and from January to April, I gave out 22 red cards, because the behaviour and the discipline and the language from everybody was so much worse. A A lot of the players are getting a lot worse. The players on the field are worse than I've ever seen before. And the coaches on the sideline are worse than I've ever seen before. Did you say earlier that you've been threatened with a knife? Yes, on two occasions. The one that I vividly remember was a couple of years ago. I was refereeing a six-a-side tournament, so it was for men who wanted to lose weight, and it was a charity kind of thing. And I, in this in six-a-side, you're not allowed to go into the into the D into the penalty area because it's a penalty. So uh team a went into the box got a penalty uh, team b got the penalty no problem at all team b went into the box and team a got a penalty team a captain ran up to me screaming in my face called me a bunch of names so i gave him a red card because of what he said he went off the pitch went into his bag pulled out a you know the Stanley box cutter knives, pulled one of those out and stormed onto the pitch with one of those and was like walking towards me. His own teammates basically rugby tackled him to the floor and pinned and pulled him outside the gate. I locked the gate and I said, "I'm not leaving until this guy is dealt with." Spoke to the guy in charge and he asked me not to call the police. And foolishly, I agreed. He said, "Oh, you get an apology next week." Turned up the following week, didn't get an apology, and she had him threatened to knock my head off. I dropped the cards on the floor and walked off. I never went back. I, I presume that the that these I mean that is
1: that is truly tr- truly shocking. I'm amazed that you didn't quit refereeing there and then, and I'm also amazed you didn't call the police. Um, but um, I, I presume stories like this are commonplace um, within the refereeing community. Obviously, it can't it can't can't
3: just be you. No, it's not just me. No, I know of many referees who have been attacked. I mean, people who have had worse than me. I know that. I mean, I know people who have actually been assaulted on the field because of what they've done. With, um, with fists and I know a referee who got smacked with an umbrella once and split his head open I actually believe that the violent, the um abuse the referees get at my level, the lowest level is worse than the Prem, now not on the scale because obviously with the Premier League you have social media, you have millions of fans berating you, sending you stupid messages and all that kind of stuff which sucks, it does, it's horrendous but at my level with the referees around me, you referee where you live. So, like for example, if you refer- if in the Premier League, you could live in Yorkshire and referee a game in Bournemouth. You might never see the fans of that team ever again. Whereas for me, I referee two teams that are local to me. I'm probably going to serve one of them at work if I worked in a supermarket or you're a mechanic or whatever. You're going to you might serve them. I'm a school, t- I work in school, I'm a TA at schools. I see kids are refereed on the daily basis. So you constantly see the people you referee and you're constantly abused, yelled at, screamed at, talked to like you're nothing. If it was possible,
1: I would probably take the transcript or the audio of that interview with Reese into every Premier League training ground this week and play it. And let players listen to it. Let players listen and managers listen to stories of a guy being threatened with a, a knife, a guy being threatened with death by a 12-year-old's father, a guy having his, his car scratched with a key, being followed home, being abused in the street. I would let them hear it because I don't think that there would be a player in the room who could sit and listen to that and think to themselves, you know what, maybe we do need to change.
2: Yeah, I mean that was uh, that was shocking. Listening to that, and you know the, the thing is, is Reese's story isn't isn't an isolated story. This is happening all across the country every weekend. There is, uh, you know, a, a decline in uh, in refereeing uh, across the board at grassroots level, and uh, you know. It's where this is going to lead to. Eventually, there won't be enough, or that you know, there aren't enough referees to, to referee some games at this moment in time. But it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. So, what does what does football need to do about it? Across the board, football needs to take responsibility on this one, and and it, it starts at the top. It starts with Premier League players and Premier League managers showing uh, respect to uh, to referees and officials. And I, I've got to say. Um, In recent seasons, and this may be because of the introduction of uh, technology and VAR where everybody wants or or thinks there should be perfection, but the abuse towards officials seems to be, in my mind, getting worse. and, And that's my concern. And, and and when you see, and we, we, what we're determined not to
1: do today is single out managers or players. There will be some mentioned in the course of discussion, of course there will, but we're not singling them out because let's face it, they all do it. They all do it. The most recent one was M- Richard Pochettino, after, um, Pochettino after the Manchester City game against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge when he screamed in the face of the uh, uh, the fourth official. When I, when I see things l- l- like that and then I see that there was no punishment. He was he was given a yellow card on the field mm-hmm. by the match referee, Anthony Taylor, but no further punishment from the FA. And that, to me, sends out a message that actually it's okay. Because a yellow card is what a player gets for a handball or a trip or an obstruction. It's not a, not a serious deterrent. No. And that is what irks me. That's what eats away at me, that we're not doing enough. And they won't change... Unless we give them a reason to change,
2: uh, surely, and that's uh, that's totally right. And uh, so you, you you've mentioned uh, Richard Pochettino, mm. who's you know a thoroughly thoroughly decent yeah. guy. But but we we can't deny, yet we do deny it that that then you get you go further down the scale that people watching that think that's normal to do, yeah. that's normal behaviour. You cannot normalise that sort of behaviour, and then it filters down. Uh, you know all the way all the way through the system to grassroots football and if people say well Pochettino did it so I'm going to yeah. do that. Why, you know, why can't I do it? And so, until actually we clamp down and 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 the punishments are harsh, really harsh, then this isn't going away. This isn't going to going to stop. This isn't a new subject, but I think it's right to bring it to light uh, this season, especially because it is getting worse. The abuse towards referees, but in 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 years to come, there'll be an outcry because people will say, "Well, our kids can't play football because we don't have the officials," and, and and whose fault? Is that going to be? It's our fault, so we have a responsibility to do something about it. Now it needs it needs to start
1: now. And, and refereeing numbers are in decline. Got some t- statistics which we'll read out in a moment. We've also got another interview, a short interview with another young referee who's quit. Who's got an even more shocking story to tell than Reese did. And before we we get to that, I just want to ask you whether you think it's worse now than when you were playing, you, you know, you've been a a, 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 Premier League player in, uh, in England. You've been a premiership player in in Scotland. You've played for big clubs. Um, do, was it worse then? You've been in the heat of battle. That's what I'm trying to get at. You've been in the heat of battle, under pressure, playing for big prizes on the biggest stage, under scrutiny on television. Was it as bad then as you think it is now?
2: i think that's it's quite a difficult one uh to answer uh that is you know were were referees uh you know abused back then then you know i'm i'm absolutely sure that would uh, that would have been the case but it's it's more about the noticeable change high profile figures and you know we, we we should mention them you know you've mentioned Pochettino mm. Jürgen Klopp screaming in the face uh, of a fourth official Mikel Arteta his outburst you know was was utterly shocking mm. really and we can't deny that isn't going to put pressure on their uh, officials because because it would do but you know Back uh, when I played, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say that, uh, that that things were were vastly different, but that doesn't make it right. I don't think we necessarily have to um, compare eras, and that's not me trying mm. to cop out of something. It's just, it's just, you know, you, you you simply have to look at the figures. You have to look at the the. the there's a decline in referees. We heard Reese's story. We've seen an official killed uh, in the Netherlands. I mean, what what is there to stop that yeah. happening? Over here? it will happen, and when it happens, and when it does happen, we'll say, right, we need to do something about it. But that's going to be too late. Mm-hmm. So, so everybody has a responsibility at this moment in time. Everybody loves grassroots football. You wake up on a Sunday morning; that, that's, that's what you want to do. You know, I, I I took my kids for years to play Sunday morning football, and you know, it's it's a great thing to do. You you love seeing your kids thrive, but. It's not going to be there if we, you know if we carry on at this
1: rate. It seems like everybody wakes up on a Sunday morning excited about grassroots football, apart from yeah. the referees. Now you mentioned uh, the case of a, a referee in Holland who was who was killed uh, ten years ago. Um, our next uh, interviewee, uh, George Slay, um, has a, st- a pretty shocking story of his own to tell.
4: I abandoned the game for the amount of abuse that I was getting as a ref. And then, um, out of nowhere, with no warning, got physically assaulted and um, ended up with a broken jaw. Had to have the surgery to get it repaired and everything like that. The guy got a su- prison sentence suspended and and everything like that. Um, so then, after that, I just lost a lot of love for it. Really, all of this really was just because i was just ref in a, a five side game where you're supposed to turn up and have fun. That's the whole point of it. You turn up and have fun to have a kick about, and it's ended up in in all this. So. Um, but in terms of the game itself, then, I just remember refing it um, uh, just, you know, normal, casually. One team absolutely fine. The other team weren't interested in playing. They just wanted to fight and be aggressive sort of thing. Um, and I remember one of the other team, may, uh, team said to me at one point, they were like, ref, you don't even have to take this. like, Just, you know, just call it. And then um, after a while, kept going. And I'd sent this player off for, for abuse or, at the time. And he was standing outside the cage. Um, and I didn't really hear much from him for the rest of the game until I then uh, abandoned the game because I was just getting too much abuse as a five-a-side. I, and I knew as well that I, you know, I was reffing to an all-right standard, so I was used to five-a-side and I knew when, where the line was. Um, There's nothing I hadn't seen before. So I abandoned the game um, just because um, I didn't want that. And then the fellow I'd sent off with no warning at all just walked walked up to me and just sort of assaulted me there, punched in the in the jaw. Um, with, with just absolutely no warning at all, um, and all of this was over a, a five-a-side game, so it's just ridiculous, really.
1: How's the jaw now? Is it any? <laughs> uh, any, any? It looks all right to me.
4: <laughs> yeah, no, it's all good, mate. Just a couple of metal plates in there. Part of it now. It's just there. Uh, don't really notice it, but it's fine now.
1: Punched in the face, broken jaw, metal plates. Best part of a week in hospital. I mean, it's like something out of a, it's not something out of a bad movie.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, the the two stories which we've um, we've heard today. Why in your right mind would you want to get up on a Saturday, Sunday morning, or you know, on a on a you know on an evening, go and referee a um, you know a, a five side a six aside game, knowing that you're at a fair risk of being physically uh, abused, certainly verbally used This, you know, this 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 is a regular thing. Mm. So, you know, people are people are just turning the back on uh, on refereeing. And do you blame them?
1: So before we before we kind of move out of the out of this subject, um, with just some statistics which I think are illuminating. So refereeing numbers are down by a third in the last five years. BBC did their own survey back in February of almost a thousand referees, and out of 927 referees it was. Out of that number, only 15 said they'd not been abused. A third had been physically attacked. 57 had received death threats. 378 said that they often or sometimes worried for their safety. And um, more than five hundred, and more than half, um, were dissatisfied with the measures that they thought had been taken by the powers that be at local level by local FAs at the at, at the top level. So it's there in black and white. Um, Referees are turning their back, and like you say, there will come a time if we're not careful when um, our managers will still be screaming at refs on the television. But um, when we wake up on a Sunday, to take our kids to to, uh, to their local game, there'll be there'll be nobody there. One thing that that our two interviewees did mention, or, or and has been mentioned elsewhere recently, has been this issue of sin bins that it's been trialled in grassroots football at the moment. They're doing it, they're doing it in the FA Vars. So when the FA Vars final takes place at Wembley this season, there will be sin bins in operation for descent uh, for the first time at Wembley. Does that work? Finally abusive language at the referee, 10 minutes off the field. It can happen at rugby. In, in rugby, it does happen in rugby. Can that work in football? If it can, why are they messing about with trialling it for four years? at grassroots level why don't we have it in the professional game
2: um if i'm honest the, the foul and abusive language uh, thing is you know very subjective mm. anyway i remember you know uh, my dad who was my pe teacher used to referee school games if anybody ever uttered a swear word towards them they'd they'd be off but you sort of knew everybody knew where the line was where the where the um, where the boundaries are so I, I don't I don't really understand that one. You know, it's it's about we keep hearing this word um, respect. And and that's where it all starts from. So, but but so we talk about everybody needing to take responsibility, managers and uh, and players, especially at the highest level, we can't get away from that. Uh, fact, but it's also the authorities. You know, it's the Premier League and the FA to really come down hard on managers, on players. You know, every week you watch a game on uh, on the television, and we were told this season that that referees are going to be a bit more hardline with players, and, and you, you, you're not allowed to surround mm. the referee. I think it's no more than two than, than, than two players. Mm. Truth is, um, I think earlier on in the season. Clubs were were aware of it, or players were aware of it. But it, you know, it seeps back to to getting back to to uh, to how it you know always was, and players are always going to try and uh, influence referees. But it's it's up to actually the Premier League and the FA to actually give out really strong punishments. And if they if they do that, then things will change. You know, they they will change. They they have to change. And it, you know what?
1: It, it is emb- it's embarrassing. What it is? It's embarrassing. It's worrying. It's shocking. It's dangerous. But it's, it's embarrassing when you watch other sports, and we talk about rugby a lot, but you watch things like cricket, um, I don't know, tennis, hockey, other team sports. It doesn't. The only sport, correct me if I'm wrong, the only sport in which this type of mob rule is allowed to uh, prevail mm. is football. And it's not just in the Premier League, it's all over the world. It's football. And I don't know what it is about our because, sport. Because, that we, makes, because we allow it. And I don't know what it is about our sport that makes us think that we are so special that we can just let this happen and presume that people will still turn up to watch and play and officiate Um I wrote a column about this last week. I might have mentioned it, I might have not. I wrote a column about it last week. I talked about the um, descent of our game towards, towards the gutter. And a few responses to that. Peter Hassel emailed me, says, thank goodness somebody writing about the disgusting behaviour in football in an attempt to provoke change. Bill Simpson, who's a former grade one referee in North Yorkshire, says the powers of a referee are extremely strong if only they would use them. Grassroots football already uses a sin bin. It should have started at the top of the game, not the bottom. Judy Smith, a Chelsea fan. I've never written to a sports writer before, but I've suffered increasingly watching the antics and dreadful abuse meted out to sports officials generally for far too long. Thank you for saying that Mr. Pochettino is a decent man. It was hard to believe whilst watching him last Sunday. So there we go. And I will say at this point, um, as you know, we do uh, love a bit of uh, listener engagement on the on this podcast. We are quite a new podcast. We like to hear what you think. Um, we do need you to to like and subscribe and to follow and leave comments but particularly on this subject if you've got anything that you feel you want to say anything you want to get off your chest if you've got your own experiences do get in touch as you can probably tell this is this is not a subject that Chris and I are manufacturing for the sake of this podcast it's something that we feel really really uh, strongly about we talk about it off air we talk about it in our messages during the week uh, we don't like it we want to do Something to to get this message out there and maybe see if something can start. So anything to say, agree or not? Uh, please get in touch. Yeah, us. you yeah. know
2: it. It needs to start now. This this debate has been going on for a long, long time. I I, I walked onto a pitch myself when um, when when my son was badly tackled. Oh wow! And, uh, and you know and, and had some some words with with the referee and that caused a bit of a stir at the time. Looking back, you know, as a parent, I I think a lot of people would understand first and foremost, you know, I I ran on to look after my son, but looking back, I did the wrong thing. And this is is the thing about restraint. Mm. Everybody has a responsibility. We need to actually put ourselves... In, in the referees' shoes and listening to, to to the two stories which we've heard today and and the countless stories which are out there about what these referees are going through on a weekly basis. In the end, we all love football. We love we love grassroots football, but there there's not going to be grassroots football for many if things don't change, and it needs to start at the top and
1: one thing that did, did strike me with interviewing those two guys yesterday and you know, those interviews have been clipped up and edited and some of it some bits have been left out um, but, but I asked both of them whether it was re- common for them to ever get apologies like once the mm. adrenaline had ceased at the end of a game once tempers had calmed down whether players managers coaches parents people from the league people from the clubs ever got in touch to say sorry they said no Not really. Mm. Rarely, rarely ever. Because they just expect referees to smile and get on with it. Now there has been some football over the over the weekend, no Premier League. I was at um, I was at the England Malta game on at Wembley on Friday night. You're, sigh, you're sighing because uh, you know it wasn't a brilliant spectacle. Uh, uh, Harry Kane dive again. Harry Hurricane yeah. diving. Yeah, you want yeah. to ex- expand on that? I thought at the no, time it actually a, probably was a penalty. Really? I mean, you know, yeah, well, he's the, it, he's the it master, live. isn't he?
2: <clears throat> Harry Kane initiating con- contact and. And Going down, king of the divers, the me- members of the center because he's England captain. You don't want to call him out.
1: We've called him out for that before, we have, and you can find it if you google Ladyman oh, Kane well diving, it's there. Um, but what did, um, well, are you a diver as well? Like <laughs> <Sorry, sorry. laughs> <at the> sw- <laughs> swimming pool, now you know about my five-a-side goalkeeping career, plenty of diving then. Um, but um, center fours normally say, Oh, it's clever, it's clever play, it's clever, always oh, do well there, cheating, interesting. Um Trent Alexander Arnold, you and I talked on last Thursday's. It's all um, coming up mini pod about the England centre midfield. We're not. Having, you're not. Having, we're not. Either, we're not having Henderson. You're not having Phillips. I, I could have Phillips, but you're yeah. not having either. Now play someone who doesn't play. Is there? Have has Gareth found the solution? Trent was brilliant against Malta on Friday. He was brilliant when England butchered uh, North Macedonia at Old Trafford at the end of last season. But but fair play. Played really well in that position. He's playing again, I believe, tonight uh, in in centre-mid. Again, in Scotland against North Macedonia. But he needs to be given the chance now to see if he can do it against a good side. Surely. England have got two friendlies coming up before the Euros. Brazil and Belgium. To me, Trent has got to play centre-mid
2: in those two games because we've got to know. We've got to
1: know, surely.
2: Yep. If... um... If that's the plan going forward, then you're absolutely spot on. One question, Trent. So that role that he plays, when he's playing as a... as uh, He
1: has played for England, did play on Friday. He's he's part of the holding too, but he's absolutely at liberty to go forward as he did and and pass the ball well and get involved. If he does that, when Jude Hollywood Bellingham is back in the team, does he risk getting into Bellingham's way why are you laughing getting in Bellingham's way a little bit should Bellingham not be allowed to almost occupy that kind of number 10 area just himself because he is so good without someone else trying to get a bit of the action still laughing
2: (laughs) it's not like it's not under under 10 football where you have Johnny and Peter sort of bumping into each other I think that I think that I think that Trent sort of you know understands the game well enough not to get in uh, in Jude Bellingham's way. Right. Can't see them can't see them bumping into each other on too many occasions. I think their awareness is, you know, pretty good hence why they play for top clubs. I think um usually on this podcast you and I I think
1: give as good as we get with each other. I usually walk out of this room thinking I've kind of stood up for myself, but I think on this, I think on this one the the ex pro <laughs> Ex pro Premier League winner has put the, uh, put the journalist firmly in his in its place. Withering, I would describe that as withering.
2: Hold that thought. We'll be back right after this.
0: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: So, moments of the weekend. Who's going first, you or me? Um, But you go first, if you want. Okay. Emma Hayes, Chelsea uh, women's manager, as we know, uh, on her way um, soon to become the coach of the American national team. Basically, uh, uh, the most prestigious job in women's football. I think they are the superpower. Um, Told the story last week of how um, Alex Ferguson called her um to wish her well um to talk about america um to talk about the job she's going into and she revealed that fergie actually speaks to her quite a lot and i do think it's you know i've got my opinions on fergie um some good some bad but i do think that you do learn a lot about someone but with the type of things they do when you know when the cameras are on them Mm -hmm. and i think that Fergie doing that um is uh is admirable, but what I really liked about the story was that she admitted that when Fergie called her, she was on the phone to to Pochettino at the time, he was wishing her well, and she said to him, oh, sorry, I've got Alex Ferguson (laughs) on the line. And she binned him, she binned binned, binned, uh, Poch off to speak uh, to Fergie, which I thought was uh, interesting. You know, however good you are in life, there's always a pecking order. And I think in that one, Alex Ferguson's at the top of it. Your turn.
2: well, have you heard of the name Cheeto Obi Martin? No. There's a good chance you'll be writing about him in the future. He scored ten goals, ten goals in a game for Arsenal against Liverpool under 16. Ten goals in a game. I only did it twice, but not at not at that level. I scored ten against Durham under 12s once, and and the Blue Star the two. Under what was 12s. The, so, what was the score in this? Uh, 14-3, I think. Right, he scored 10. Oh, it might then. be more than 14, but he scored 10 anyway. That's that's the headline. That's that's pretty amazing. Whatever you say at at that level, under 16 level, Arsenal, Liverpool, two massive yeah. clubs. I mean, blimey. Say the name again, Cheeto Obi Martin. Chido Obi Martin. Right. I'm all, if I I'm, pronounce I'm, that properly, I I, I I hope I have. And, you're, that's, and that's you something. and you said
1: you did it once. I did it twice. Really? It's yeah. I mean, not that like flat track bullying though, because I bet when you played, I bet you were, the, you know, the best in Norfolk, the best in well, no. your village by a mile, and you're striding about scoring ten. You probably broke kids' hearts back back at the day playing. You know that kind of behaviour. You should have get your hat trick and then just you know, then just take your foot off the gas a bit. Yeah, cruel. most most of mine were uh, with, most of mine were tapings. So we're now back where we started at the start of the show, and Ethane Coco and, a cocoa and uh, all the rest of it, and forty-yard rate. R- I broke a lot
2: of hearts when I was younger. Oh
1: my goodness, I bet you did. You broke mine on a regular basis. Uh, you just have a you just have over the uh, Trent Alexander Alexander Arnold Jude Bellingham conversation anyway. <laughs> so there we go. We back to the Premier League. Um, this weekend, Man City, Man City versus Liverpool. That's, that's the big one. Um, Erling Haaland got injured playing in a friendly against the Faroe Islands. Right. So I'd be interested to know what Pep, Guardi- mm. Pep Guardiola makes about that. Pep has been moaning about tired players, uh, which oh, is interesting God. because 33-year-old Kyle Walker said on England duty, he feels fresh as a daisy. Yeah. So there we go. And why is Pep moaning about... Oh, don't no, even no, get no, me started Pep, with that. Why is Pep moaning about a lunchtime kickoff on Saturday? What's the difference between twelve thirty and three pm? Really, when England are playing to two, most two international and a half hours, well, that, that recovery. I mean, the, these are, this know.
2: is something you don't understand. These are finely tuned athletes. Every second counts. Oh, these are the small details it's of life. Just, that it's not me. you know they're not like you are just plodding round the, the dales. Could I
1: ask you? Lake District is my natural habitat, yeah. not the dales. Yeah. Well, Could I um, can I ask you about the, how your
2: Christmas trees are? By the way. You yeah, told me last week yeah, you had seven trees. I, I think seven is a low estimate. <laughs> oh, God, She the bar. A, I mean, amazing. She certainly raised the bar. Amazingly, we are so just... So how many is it? We're just one happy family. I will count and I'll... Mate, I'll everyone I'll else I Thursday. know will be
1: able to tell me how many Christmas trees are. What do you mean you've had to estimate how
2: many you put on? <laughs> every, every room I go in, there's a there's a Christmas and tree. What in. about droopage? What? Uh, what about droopage? Uh, 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 is every, it every, <laughs> what, yeah. Dr. Laderman what about dream or something
1: <laughs> I don't know where you're going with this everybody anyway. knows so, I mean, this you is put some... your Christmas tree up in the middle of November by the time you get to Christmas tree the I, I day it'll be I drooping did. and all the needles d- will fall off d- and your baubles will be on the floor <laughs> <laughs> your baubles will be on the floor
2: I, I didn't know where you were going with your that did you know something I didn't know your baubles will be on the floor with your sack oh dear me
1: This is not the last time you will be seeing me in person this week because you and I have got a big appointment tomorrow. We're off to see a really big name um, from the Premier League landscape, a real big beast that you and I are very, very fond of talking about. We can't quite say who it is right now. Some people might have a guess, um, but we're going along to interview him tomorrow. There'll be bits of that, uh, bits of that chat to reflect on when we get to our, get together on Thursday on Zoom for our Premier League. Uh, preview show so uh, I know you've got to get off your train to Norfolk soon mate but I'll be seeing you again tomorrow and uh, make sure you bring your A game for that one. Okay so that's been uh, quite a long show, it's been quite a a different show we did say at the top that it would have a a slightly different feel to it uh, this time but I hope you stuck with us, I hope you enjoyed it I hope you learned something, Uh, we certainly did um, some quite sobering um, first-hand evidence from the two guys about what it is like to be a grassroots referee. Uh, this was not for show. It is something that Chris and I really care about deeply, and I'm sure it's a subject that we'll be returning to again in the days and uh, weeks to come. Uh, thanks for being with us today, and um, please remember to go to Man Online for all your breaking uh, sports news. Download and subscribe to the MailPlus app uh, for lots and lots of extra content. Um, Make sure you're with us on Thursday for our Premier League preview show. But most of all, I'll be back here again next week um, for the next version of this show. Uh, I'm Ian Ladyman. The chap to my left who's going to go home soon and count his Christmas trees is Chris Sutton. And this has been It's All Kicking Off.